But I want to talk with you about how our God of grace, and we've been learning about all the different facets of his grace, how our God of grace, when you decide to pursue transformation, really becoming like Jesus, he will meet you and he will begin transforming you into the likeness of Jesus. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are in life, when you make that decision to make him number one, to make him first, to seek him with all of your heart, our God of grace will meet you and transform you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, as we begin, how many of you would just be honest and admit with me this morning, I got a ways to go to be like Jesus, amen? How many would say, I got a long ways to go? <laughs> how many would say, I need to live a lot more like Jesus? In, in my daily life, I need to live a lot more like Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're all there. And once we start pursuing transformation, the problem becomes this. When we get serious about seeking Jesus, living like him, things go wrong. You ever notice that? <laughs> things go wrong. Things in our lives break. Problems come along. And that's when the challenge is really on. The great violinist, Niccolo Paganini, playing in a concert hall, backed up by a full orchestra, playing to a packed house. Near the end of the concert, he began playing his favorite song. But just a few measures into his favorite song, one of his strings on his violin just snapped. But relying on his great ability as a violinist, on his great genius, he continued to play that concerto on just three strings. But after a few measures later, another string snapped. And again, relying on his great ability, he continued playing the song now on just two strings, not missing a note. Then suddenly another string suddenly snapped. Now with three strings on his violin dangling, <laughs> and only one string left, Paganini played on, not missing a note, and finished the song. The crowd was so astonished, they stood and applauded until their hands were numb. Because what he had just done was not only incredible, it was genius. Because Niccolo Paganini had just made more music with one string than most violinists ever could with all four. Now listen, here's the bottom line. When things went wrong for Niccolo, when things broke down and he was down to one string, Niccolo persevered and he kept on playing. Now you might remember this next guy, Superman, <laughs> played by Christopher Reeve. He's the Superman that I grew up with. He loved horseback riding. He loved show jumping, and many of you probably know his story. One day his horse, as he was show jumping, balked at a jump. Christopher was thrown, and, and he was instantly paralyzed. And when a reporter asked how he was doing, he said, this accident has been difficult for my whole family. We miss all the activities we used to do as a family. I, I used to ride horses with my daughter. My son and I used to play the piano together. 
My other son and I used to play tennis together. We, we miss all of that stuff, sailing together, those things we did together. But then he said, but ultimately, you have to accept that being together is more important than doing together. You see, when things went wrong, when things broke down, when he was down to one string, when he was down literally to one chair, when all he could do to move his chair was to blow into a pipe and speak, what did Christopher keep on doing? He kept on playing in life. He persevered and kept on going. Here's another guy, Derek Redman, in the 19... 19- 92 Olympics, the gun sounded, he sprinted towards greatness in the 400-meter semifinal, and suddenly his hamstring just snapped, and the pain was excruciating. He, He could barely stand, but he wouldn't leave the track. Derek just wouldn't quit. Suddenly, his, his father pushed past all the Olympic security and made it to the track and wrapped his arm around his son, Derek. And Derek didn't set a record that day. He didn't win a medal. But you know what he did do? He crossed the finish line. He finished the race. When things went wrong in Derek's life, when things broke down, when he was down to one string, literally one hamstring, <laughs> what did he do? Derek chose to keep on playing. Now listen really close as we begin. Most of the time, we so focus on the broken strings that are dangling in our lives that we just quit playing. We just quit playing. Instead of playing with all of our might, with what we've got left, we typically kind of just withdraw, we curl up in a ball, and we quit playing. We just get off the field, especially when it comes to pursuing transformation, especially when it becomes time to keep becoming more like Jesus. We get so focused on our brokenness that we stop seeking Jesus. We stop trying to become like him. So I want to ask you as we we begin, what strings are dangling in your life today? What brokenness is in your life? You have some. I've got some dangling strings. We all have some. And sometimes when they break, they're painful. But folks, broken strings are just a part of this life. And and we've all got them. It can be as simple as counting on your car to start, but it doesn't. Anybody ever do that? (laughs) It can be as simple as, uh, as counting on driving your kids to soccer practice. But there you are throwing up over the toilet. It can be as simple as counting on your teenager to be home at a certain time, but they're not. (laughs) Or it can be as heart-wrenching as counting on your spouse to be faithful, and he's not, or she's not. Or as heart-wrenching as counting on your job and your income to always be there, but now it's not. It can be as heart-wrenching as counting on your, your health to be there, but suddenly it's not. So when something in your life breaks, how do you keep playing like Paganini, like Reeve, like Redmond? How do you keep playing with what's left? In other words, how do you keep on pursuing Jesus 
when things are broken in your life? How do you keep serving others when there's still broken strings in your life? How do you keep on persevering when you're hurting? How do you keep on playing with the one string you've got left and becoming more like Jesus in spite of the broken strings in your life? How do you do that? How do you pursue transformation when you're in a state of devastation? How do you do that? Here's the answer. You're not going to like it because it's just too simplistic. Here's the answer. You just keep on playing. Like Redmond, like Niccolo, like Reeve, you just keep on playing. You see, when you pursue transformation, our God of grace, with all of his might and power, if you pursue transformation, he will meet you, he will empower you, he will help you, he will sustain you as you seek to become more like his son. So where do you start? Well, let's talk about this morning those four places where you can really start pursuing transformation. And if you begin pursuing these four things, our God of grace will meet you in the midst of your brokenness. And he'll start transforming you into his son, Jesus Christ, just like his son. First of all, write this down. First, your habits. Pursue changing your habits. We've all at least got one habit we need to change. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's speech. Maybe it's our thought life. But we've all got a, a, a habit that needs change, at least one that's not pleasing to God, that's, that's not like Jesus would do it. We all need to pursue change. And here's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world but be changed within by a new way of thinking. Now, the word changed means to be transformed. So we could say, do not be transformed. Do not transform yourselves to be like the people of the world, but be transformed within. How? By a new way of thinking. So let God change you on the inside. And if you let him change you on the inside within, he'll change you into something new and something far far better. In other words, don't just imitate others. Let God transform you like he he takes a caterpillar and makes it into something far more beautiful. At least I think something that goes like this is more beautiful than something that goes like this. Amen? (laughs) He'll make you into something new and beautiful like a butterfly. He'll transform you into something far greater. It's kind of like the father and son who were on their first visit to America. And and they were from a third world country, and and they came from extreme poverty. And when they visited South Coast Plaza here in Orange County, they were amazed by by everything they saw in the mall. I mean, they walked around, and they were just taken back. And especially those stainless steel walls that kept opening and closing. They just kept looking at these stainless steel walls that opened and closed, and they just stood there. They didn't know what they were. And these walls would open and people would walk inside and the walls would close. And they would come back a few minutes later and nobody was there. And they just couldn't figure out what those things were. Then a few minutes later, the walls opened. An elderly lady shuffled inside and the the walls closed. Then a few moments later, the walls opened again. And out stepped this beautiful 24-year-old girl. 
And without hesitation, the father says to his son, go get your mother. (laughs) Evidently, he liked what this stainless steel transformation machine could produce. (laughs) You see, Jesus isn't concerned with our outer appearance, but he is concerned with our inner appearance, the condition of our heart. And God wants to transform you and me into something that's far more beautiful. And God can do that. Maybe we can try in our own strength and power year after year after year, and there's some habit that we know we need to change, and we don't get it done. But if we seek Jesus, if we pursue him with all of our heart, God is able to change us. Amen? God can do that. But his transformation starts in our hearts and then works its way outside into the lives that we live. And so God wants to transform you and me into the likeness of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we start to pursue a change in our habits? First of all, write this down. First of all, you got to change your thoughts, our scripture says. You have to change the way that we think. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but you always think first and then you do. You think and you do. If you want to change what you do, you have to then change what you think. The Bible says this, be careful what you think. And look at this because your thoughts will run your life. What you put into your heart, what you put into your mind, what you think about most, that's what runs your life, creates your habits. Be careful, the Bible says. Because your thoughts will run your life. Now, this morning, I want to share something with you. I'm going to take this Pepsi. And some of you are wanting this about now. And I'm going to fill this glass. This may take a minute. There we go. Now, the question is this. If I were to stumble and bump this glass, what's going to come out of this glass? Pepsi? Yeah, soda, Pepsi, all right? So you're telling me, class, if I bump this glass, Pepsi's going to come out. Some of you wish I was a magician right now, and I could (laughs) make it be milk or orange juice. But you're right. If I was to bump this glass, slap this glass, knock this glass over, what's going to come out is what I've put in it. Amen? What I've filled it to the top with, that's what's going to spill out. And I want, us, I want us to understand this morning that what we're putting in every day, the things we read, the things we watch, the, the things we, we think about, if we get bumped in life, if something breaks in our life, what's going to happen? When life comes along and bumps you and causes you to break, what's going to spill out? The answer is whatever you've been filling your life with. Whatever you've been putting in side of you and thinking about. So the question is, what kind of books are you reading? What kind of movies are you allowing yourself to watch? Are, are you listening to just filthy, filthy language? Are you watching only things that are filled with anger? Things that are filled with people getting revenge? People having all kinds of immoral acts on the screen? What are you putting in you and thinking about? 
Because when your life gets bumped, when your life begins to break, to get some reprieve, to get some a break from what you're dealing with, you're going to go back and revert to those things to get some pleasure, to get some comfort, whatever. What goes in will come out. And those thoughts, the Bible says, will run your life. They will spill out of you. And they will form habits in your life. So the Bible says, be careful what you think. Your thoughts will run your life. So to change your habits, you have to change your thinking first. And then next, write this down. And you have to change your relationships. Your relationships. There's a business principle that says, the people that surround you will determine your level of success or or failure. The bottom line is this. The people who surround you can either make you or break you. Make you or break you, especially spiritually. The Bible says this. Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Folks, hanging out with bad friends will have a negative impact on you. Because Satan will use them to kind of chip away at your faith. He'll use them to... Chip away at your moral standards to pull you away and from Christ and maybe back into some things that you were trying to step away from. And it's a hard thing to change relationships. I watched my folks who became Christians after I was, after I was born. And, and my dad and mom, they were dance band people. Dad played in a dance band and they were drinkers, drinkers and heavy drinkers. And that's what they and their friends did. And, I had to watch them pull themselves away so that they could pursue Jesus. And that was hard. And they still tried to, and I mean, not totally isolate themselves from their friends, but those old friends that had no desire for Christ and had nothing to do with Christ and his work and his church, my folks still loved them, still kind, still polite, but they weren't the ones that they hung with all the time because they would chip away at their faith, say, come on, Harold, let's go drink again. (laughs) Let's go party again. And so they had to change some of their relationships. It's kind of like this. Have you ever seen geese flying south for the winter, migrating? You ever seen that? They they fly in this V formation. And, And that's because when each goose flaps its wings, it creates a 71% greater lift for the bird flying right behind it. So the whole flock can actually fly 71% further by staying in formation with others who are flying right. <laughs> right? So if you stay in formation with other people who are following Christ, pursuing Jesus, doing their best to fly right, you're going to have a lot easier time flying right. So sometimes we got to change our relationships if we really want to be transformed. To be transformed, start with your habits. Pursue changing your thought life. Pursue changing your relationships. And then next, write this down. Then and start with your focus. Your focus. Pursue choosing other people. Pursue choosing others over yourself. Now, our culture tells us something different. It tells us to just focus on me, myself, and I. But the Bible says, don't be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. And that's hard to do in our self-focused culture. 
We are taught to focus on our education, on our career, on our home, on our toys, on our bodies, on our clothes. We're taught to focus on our stuff. But seldom is anybody teaching us to show interest in the stuff that other people are dealing with. But if we want to transform to become more like Jesus, we got to start focusing on others like Jesus focused on others. Great story, true story. First day of school, brand new year. Miss Thompson looked at her class and said, boys and girls, I, I have no favorites. I love you all the same. And I just want you to know that. But soon, Miss Thompson found a boy she didn't love, the same as the rest of her class. His hair was dirty. His clothes smelled musty. His appearance was sloppy. And when she graded his papers, she, she found herself having a certain pleasure putting X's by all of the wrong answers. She had Teddy's record, so she knew more about him than she really wanted to, to know. The records read first grade. Teddy shows promise, but he has a poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better, but his mother is ill. He gets little help at home. Third grade, Teddy is a really good boy, but he's a slow learner. His mother died last year. Fourth grade, Teddy is slow, but he's well-behaved. But his father shows no interest. Well, when Christmas came that school year, the boys and girls brought Miss Thompson all kinds of presents. And, and on a specific day, they piled their presents on top of her desk. And she sat down to look at the presents and open them one by one. And as she looked at the presents, there was one that she couldn't help but see. And it was from Teddy. It was wrapped in a brown paper bag, and it was, it was just held together with nothing but scotch tape. And on the package were scribbled the words for Miss Thompson from Teddy. She opened Teddy's present, and she lifted out of the bag this gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half of the stones gone and a half bottle of perfume half used up. And the kids began to laugh. But as a teacher, thinking quickly, she put on the bracelet and she put a little perfume on her wrist and she lifted her wrist high and said, kids, doesn't it smell lovely? Doesn't it smell great? And all the kids oohed and awed and they agreed. And at the end of the day, as the class left, Teddy stayed behind. He went to Miss Thompson's desk and he softly said, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mommy. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you too. I'm so glad you like my present. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got on her knees and asked God to forgive her. And the next day when the children came to class, they were welcomed by a new and a different teacher. Because Miss Thompson had been transformed. She was no longer just a teacher. She was now choosing to be an agent of God. Committed to focus on loving and serving every child. And especially Teddy. By the end of the school year, all the children showed improvement. Especially Teddy. 
He had caught up with most of the other kids, and he had even gotten ahead of some. Well, Teddy graduated, and she didn't hear from Teddy for a long time, but one day she got a card. It said, Dear Miss Thompson, I want you to know I'm going to be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy. Four years later, she got another card that said, Dear Miss Thompson, I just learned I'm going to be graduating college first in my class. Wanted you to be the first to know. Love, Teddy. Four years later, another card came that said, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stollard, M.D. How about that? And I wanted you to be the first to know. And by the way, I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. And I'd like you to come sit where my mother would have sat if she were alive. Dad died last year. You're the only family I have. Well, Miss Thompson went to that wedding, and she sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. And because she allowed God to transform her in her classroom on her knees years ago, she was beginning to see how one transformed person can transform others. Because she chose to focus on not just herself, But to focus on others, Teddy's life was forever changed. Folks, to be transformed, we've got to start with, yes, our habits. But then we've got to come to this thing of our our life focus. Are we choosing, like Jesus, to focus on others? To help others become transformed. The story gets to my heart because God's called me to be a part of transforming others. And what a joy that is. But we should be a church of transformers, amen? Not the kind that go like this. <laughs> but a church of transforming people to be like Jesus. And then we need to start in another place, your trials. If we want to be transformed, start with your trials. And when those trials come, pursue charging through them. You see, this life is filled with troubles and it is filled with trials. Many things are going to go wrong and things are going to break down. And when they come, you've got a choice. You can quit or you can charge through them. This morning, if you've got a disease, it's a physical trial that can be a quitting point or it can be a charging point where you decide to charge through and let God use that to transform you. If you're this morning overwhelmed at your job, you're facing a vocational trial that can be a quitting point or you can decide to charge through and let God use that trial to transform you. If you're at odds with your spouse, maybe you're in a marital trial. And you look at this thing and you say, it could be a quitting point. But if you decide to charge through and let God use you, he will transform you. 
If you're at odds with some of your kids, maybe you're in a parental trial, and it could be a quitting point, and you could just write them off and say they'll never be anything. Or you can decide to charge through and let God use that trial to transform you. You see, it's always easier to quit than it is to charge through. But it's in the charging through that you get on your knees and say, God, I don't have it within me. I need you to meet me. And that's when our God of grace shows up. Amen? And he helps us charge through. So when it comes to our trials, we've got to charge through. Paul says this, and this is, this is the guy who went through shipwrecks and nakedness and without food and beatings and jail and all of these kind of things. And Paul, I'm still not all that I should be, <laughs> but I'm bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven. Paul, in the midst of all of his brokenness and all of the strings dangling in his life, he didn't quit. He chose to keep charging through the trials. And how did he do that? By keeping his eyes on the prize. Amen? You got to keep your prize eyes on the prize. So to be transformed, we start with our habits, our focus, our trials. We don't give up. But then we do also do this. Write this down. Start with your course. Pursue charting a course toward Jesus. What course are you on this morning? Map out a course. Map out a plan that will take you toward Jesus day after day after day. David shows us how to do that. David says, I have thought much about your words. And I've stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from my sin. So first of all, write this down. Memorizing his word points you toward him. That's charting a course towards him. Memorizing his word. Storing his word in your heart and thinking about his word will not only keep you from sin, but when life breaks... When life bumps you, you will have his word stored in you to hang on to. Amen? Well, come on. Wait, wait. Amen? You'll have that word there to hang on to when life bumps. And I want to not only encourage you to be in his word each day, but I want to encourage you to find a life verse to memorize and hang on to throughout your life. And it could be something like this verse from the book of Jeremiah where God says, I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I'll give you a hope and a, and a good future. Find something like that that God just speaks into your heart, and, and that's a great life verse. And then memorize that verse. Think about that verse. Recite that verse in the morning. My life verse is from the book of Joshua, Joshua 1, 5, and 6. And it, and it goes like this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and be courageous. That's my life verse. And most of you don't know this, but it's written right here on this stage underneath the carpet. I wrote it there as we were doing construction that I could stand upon that life verse. So find a life verse. Memorize it. Because his, his word points you to him. 
and allows him to begin to transform you. Next, personalizing his word points you to him. When you find that life verse, put your name in the scripture. Put your name in your life verse. Make it personal. So I I do it like this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, Larry. I will never leave you, Larry. I will never forsake you, Larry. So, Larry, you can be strong. You can be courageous. Personalize your life verse because all of God's word is for you. It's for me. It's God's conversation that he's having with you and me. And so when you personalize his word, it points you to him and allows him to transform you. And last, analyzing his word points you toward him. David says this in his scripture, I have thought much about your words. That's a whole lot different than pulling out the devotional book and zoom, 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 and we're off to work. This is thinking. This is meditating upon his word. And and so if you're really going to change the course of your life, if you really want to pursue becoming like Jesus, if you really want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, it requires thinking much about the word of God, meditating on his words. You see, it's one thing to memorize and know God's word. It's another thing to make his word personal to you. But it's a better thing to sit in his presence and ponder and analyze his word. It's a better thing to sit in his presence and let his word sink into your soul. Because if you will do that, it will put your life on a course toward him. And he will transform your life. Listen, folks, God's grace is powerful And he is willing to meet you in every area of you. To start down that road of becoming like Jesus, start with your habits, your focus, your trials, your course. And no matter what happens to be broken in your life, now is not the time to quit. It's now time to keep on playing. Keep playing for Jesus no matter what you're going through. And he will meet you and he will transform you into something better. A person that looks more like him. Let's pray. As I pray this prayer, would you consider praying it in your heart? It goes like this. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Today I choose to pursue transformation so father I ask that you meet me in the midst of what I'm going through and not only help me with that but begin transforming me into the likeness of Jesus here I am change me Father, when we pray honest prayers like that, you are so faithful to meet us and help us. I thank you for what you're about to do in all of our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.